We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. And uh, this is the show. You should know it by now. It's Casual Friday. Casual Friday. We'll casually talk about yesterday's slate a little. It was a four game slate. Is there that much to talk about? And then uh, maybe uh, maybe talk a little bit about uh, today's big 14-game slate coming up tonight. Uh, talk mostly about strategy, right? Because we don't got ownership projections in. We got no, you know, the starting lineups aren't in, right? We have, like, projected stuff. John Lester apparently is coming out of the – coming out of a tomb pitching for, pitching for the Nationals tonight, right? I don't know where he's been. Right, he's, what, he's 37? Okay, maybe Marlins today. Maybe we're playing Marlins today. But I'll, I'm, I'm always here answering your strategy questions, DFS, MLB, anything you want in the YouTube chat. I see you guys. Frederick Dute, Daniel Hutchins, card fan, first round exit, Jupocalypse, Pug Daddy, Bazil Singh, who says that he won $5,000. Thank, thank you. Okay, I... Did I help you do that? I don't know. You're the one that made the lineup. I don't know, but congratulations. Hit the thummy thumbs. Maria John 815 knows what's going on. I refrigerated the apple juice. So I, I do, I got apple juice. 
enough thumbs up for the past week. I was able to get secure some apple juice for today's show. So hit the thumbs up button, the thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live uh, yesterday. Yesterday, four games late. So what much can what, what, what much can you do on a four game slate? Uh, then to get different, if you're playing large field GPPs, uh, the Cubs, the Cubs were the bink. They were the chalk, right? Cubs and the Dodgers were, were probably the chalk combination. And then, then the, the Diamondbacks actually came in lower than I thought. I thought the Diamondbacks would end up coming in uh, above the Dodgers. I thought the strategy yesterday, it didn't work out. Okay, let me just tell you, it didn't work out. Was uh, to play expensive stacks. To get different because the, the Cubs were cheap enough, right? Because Rizzo was cheap, right? That's why he was 31% owned, right? Got, Duffy was what nothing was practically free on DraftKings. He was 25% owned and he got 16. So yeah, you win when that happens. Uh, but and Bauer was obviously the 83% owned and what 11K. So combining that together, like the chalk's going to be like Bauer plus someone probably Gibson, Weaver, or, per- or Martin Perez. And then either a cheaper stack or like the Dodgers were priced down a little because uh, the when, when the prices came out, Corbin Burns was supposed to pitch. So that's why the Dodgers were a little, little too cheap for facing uh, Eric Lauer, who apparently has a good track record against the Dodgers. So I, I don't know. I don't know if that matters. And it's like, I think five appearances, seven appearances that ended up working out the same way yesterday. But I thought the way to get different on a four-game slate for a large field GPP was to play expensive stacks, which was included the Dodgers. I thought the Dodgers would be a little less owned. But another expensive stack was like the, the Red Sox. So if we take a look at the Red Sox, I mean, the Red Sox ownership, Xander Bogarts was 6%. J.D. Martinez was 8%. Uh, Devers, Devers was really low, 9% right? Single digit to get a single digit stack on a four game slate. I mean, like the Brewers were low owned also, but I mean, they were facing Bauer, obviously a leverage spot, right? Cause if he gets blown up the 83% of lineups are dead, but how often, how often are the Brewers, a five man Brewers, a four man Brewers stack going to really get there? Probably not. So playing them as one-offs, I thought was fine in lineups, but I just thought maybe you fade Bauer. Hopefully he doesn't score enough points to matter, which you really didn't. You didn't need Bauer. You scored the most points at pitcher, but like not by a dramatic amount. You could have played a Martin Perez, Kyle Gibson, Azale, Lauer. You could have played other combinations and then still gotten there. But because the Red Sox act was so expensive, those guys were like 5K plus. Obviously, they're also facing against the 31% owned pitcher. So you get you you not only are playing a sub 10% owned stack, you're also getting leverage over on the chalk SP2 of the slate, essentially. So I played a lot of Red Sox stacks. I also played a lot of, lot of Rocky stacks against 28% owned Weaver. And the Rockies were fairly low owned. Blackman was 16%. Okay. But like McMahon, McMahon was 10%. Crone was 9%. Now, of course, this didn't get there. Right, because when the, when the Cubs put the Cubs put up uh, you know so many runs, and Duffy and I mean Rizzo put up nine, he didn't need him, but Duffy Hayward Marisnik, right? These guys were owned. 
So you could see, you could see here, right? Fourteen for he was fifteen percent owned. Marisnik, even Horner, Horner was fourteen percent owned and got seventeen points. Right? No one put up like an outlier score. You could have, you could have won with a lot of different types of combinations. But that, but that was that, that was my strategy yesterday. I played sixty lineups. It doesn't mean I didn't play Cubs. I still play plenty of Cubs. But I would pair the Cubs with the Red Sox. So like I had a great lineup going. That was like all the the five. The, no, I was playing a lot of four three lineups. So I would have like the four best Cubs, and then I would have like Xander Bogarts and uh, and and JD Martinez and like Kiki Hernandez, right? It was seven percent owned, right? But Gibson had a good game. That didn't work out. Stacking against Weaver was okay, but I mean the Rockies didn't really get there, right? Like Story, like look look. Story was 12% owned on a four-game slate. So I thought going there, that that was gave, gave you the best chance of winning. So I was playing a lot of Martin Perez. I played as Azole. As, as, as I played some Lauer because you have to. I mean, I, how many pitchers are there on the slate? And I'm not going to play Bryce Wilson because he was only going to pitch like two innings. So I wasn't going to do that anyway, even, even though the Cubs were chalky. You see here... Uh, uh, one one of our one of our own members. He's in the he's in the Roto Grinders Discord. Road fifty one. He's for the win. Fifty thousand in the in the five fifty five. One lineup. There you go. Five basically a five three. Right. Bauer, Alzale, Adbert, five man, Cub stack, three man, Colorado. Right. One one fifty point eight. Now that wouldn't have won the large field. This is three hundred one entries. Right, you go to the large field, brick 75 one with a 180, 171.55 with a five man, with a five one, with a five two one, five X pretty much. But no one like absurdly under owned. I mean, Peralta was pretty expensive, nine, nine percent owned, put up 23, maybe needed him in large field GPPs, but paired Bauer and Lauer together, Bauer and Lauer. Lauer scored 17.65 at 5% ownership. So there you go. There's the winning lineup right there. Five-man Cubs. I played plenty of Cubs. I also played mo- mostly fours, not fives. Just so happened the Cubs put up enough runs to pay off a five-man stack. Typically on the shorter slates, I think five-man stacks are, are sometimes overplayed. And four-man stacks are a little bit more profitable. According to Slate IQ, if you read, if you looked at Slate IQ for a slate of that size, uh, positive leverage was on the the four the four-man stacks and not the five-man stacks. Doesn't mean five-man stacks are bad. Five-man stacks win plenty, also. Just they tend to be a little bit over, which I, I wouldn't have minded. But I was only playing sixty lineups, so I'm just like I'm just going to do all fours, just all fours for me. Going to be in the YouTube chat. Alex says uh, cheap stacks are going to be the chalk today. Yeah, we have, we have, we have big pitching options today, right? We're going to get some. We're probably going to get some value hitters, right? Today on today's slate. Today's slate. I mean, the pitching. You don't have to because Heaney is pretty low. I don't know why they priced him down that much. He's sixty eight hundred. So as an SP two, like if you want, if you want to stack Seattle for leverage. Like he's he's gonna be owned. He's gonna be pretty owned today. Facing Seattle. I mean, that's a good matchup for him. 
right? The bat has the great projection, but I'm saying a lot of people may try the Cole Bieber route. I mean, even if we take a look at point per dollar, even at 10.5 and 10.7, Bieber and Cole show up and Darvish even show up as the best point per dollar pitchers, right? So we may see a lot of cheap stacks, cheap type of lineups. If we take a look at hitters today, right? We may get a leadoff Kiermaier against McCullers, Van Meter against Gray, Kirilov against Singer, batting fifth, Calhoun leading off against Ivaldi. Lewis Brinson, you could just throw out, just X's name out. <laughs> Lewis Brinson never does anything, right? So we get some of these, so, so the building, building even medium price stacks. I mean, as long as, you know, you, but you're going to end up with one of these cheap one-offs or something. That's what's going on today. I don't know why Josh Manbeener has 18% ownership, even though no one has any ownership. I don't know. They're working on it. They're working on stuff. Let's look at the YouTube chat. Feel free to type any questions. It's casual Friday. We're talking casually today. We always talk casually. Oh, let's see. Michael Lingenfelter. Quick thought process review on last night's slate for single entry GPP. Ran 300 lineups with five-man stack on DK and saw Bauer plus Chicago five-man with Arizona Dodgers chalk. So Atlanta had high ceiling, but expensive bats. Figured if I got off Bauer, I could go five-man Atlanta with whatever else and fit and pay up for their bats and hope for an average game out of Bauer. Yeah, you could do that. I mean, that's 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 essentially what I did, just not with the Braves. I did with the Red Sox and the Rockies. Because the Braves were owned. I mean, they, they they were owned enough. If we take a look at the, the bat flip, like Acuna was 24% owned because Azalea, because people attack him, right? So Acuna's here. Freeman's 19%. Do we have anyone else? Who's here? Riley, 14%. Swanson, 12%. Albies, 11 So Yeah, but I mean, typically you're going to stack with Acuna anyway. Right, I just thought the Braves' ownership, I thought the Braves were just slightly over-owned. I thought the Red Sox were way under-owned, and the Rockies were way under-owned. But the same concept. I mean, that Michael, I, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. But I don't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily stacking five. I was stacking four, so it gave me a little bit more options. I didn't have to pay, I didn't have to pay for Vasquez in my Red Sox stack, right? I didn't have to pay five guys at 5K. I don't even know if they had five guys at 5K because they had Martinez, Devers, Bogarts, Vasquez were the 5K guys. Like if you were to play all four together, even with like Kiki Hernandez or something, like do something like that. Like, did you have to go that expensive? No. So maybe leave one of the 5K guys, leave leave the catcher out, leave the Vasquez out. And you play a cheap catcher. That gives you a little bit more room. But yeah, the thought process was the same on a four game slate. You have to figure out how to be different. Now, did it get there? No. No, the chalk got there. If we played this, if we played this slate out a thousand times, I think those Red Sox and those Rocky stacks would be would be profitable. And when and when they are profitable, you're coming in a very high position. Uh, let's see. Sean Johnson says Houston Seattle game had extreme hitters on. And that game ended two to one. Yesterday, not a good day to look at ump info. The ump info is already factored into the projections. So there's no point. Why? Oh, he's an extreme hitter. 
How much weight should you be adding to that? This is the reason why you use a projection model. People that don't use projection models overweight or underweight things in their head. You're going, you're, it's confirmation bias. You're going, you're finding information. Oh, this guy does well against that thing. And this thing, oh, it's blowing out 12 miles an hour here. And while like the weight of that should be 6%, you treat it like it's 30%. Oh, God, oh, extreme hitters umpire can't play the pitchers then. It's like, how, how much does that affect the projection of the player? Not as much as you think. It does. But that's why that's why I like looking at the numbers. That's why I just they give me the final numbers, right? Because we have we have a we have a weather report out of out of Roth this morning that in at, at the Detroit Yankee game there's like gusts of wind. Where is that? Let's let's take a look. Like according to Roth's weather report, right in the morning, which you can get on the Rotogrinder site for free. Right, wind's blowing out the center at 30 miles an hour or something. He's saying that it might be overdoing it, but still sustained winds around 20 miles an hour blowing out the center at Yankee Stadium, which is already a good hitter's park. So you'd think like, oh my God, I gotta, gotta play that, right? Let's take a look at Weather Edge, which is part of premium, okay? This gives you some of the numbers. See, look at this, based on one game. Okay, you can't really do anything based on based on one game. But I know that Cardi's projections, and as well as the Planet Q projections, already already account for the weather, for the wind and everything. So either it has not been updated or the Detroit, New York projections are not like, I mean, the Yankees are the Yankees, whatever. They're facing school. So it's like, yeah, Ursula's projects okay. I mean, they, they project okay. Stand still only a 10, 10 point projection, 1.95 point per dollar. Like if I took a look at these projections, it would, I wouldn't know that, that it, there's 20 mile an hour wind blowing out the center. So either that's not what Cardi's weather projection has. Because if it blows sideways, maybe it doesn't matter at all. But I know, but all I know is that whatever the weather is, it's already factored in these numbers. So I'm not going to just go, oh, I got to bump everyone up. It's like, well, it's it's already, it's already in there. The umpires, they're already in there. The ballpark, it's already in there. The pitcher selection, the velocity, the stat cast, it's all, it's all in there. So why should I wait? Why should I double count it and wait it anymore? I don't, I shouldn't. It's in there. It's already taken care of. Uncrabby cabby. Hey, Jordan, in build rules using ownership settings, how do you determine what percent to use? Uh, typically, that's the last thing that I do is I build lineups and then I see towards the top of my ownership are there lineups that are just too chalky for the contest that I'm in. And then once I scroll down and once I get to a, a lineup that's like, okay, this is contrarian enough. And then I, that, that, I cap it there. So maybe today... Today's, I mean, it may end up being 130% total ownership. It may end up, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. Yesterday, I was getting lineups that had like 280% total ownership. Way too chalky, right? So I scroll, I scroll, I scroll. I see what, what lineups, like what's the, what's the highest owned lineup that I'm like, okay, this is good. And then I look at what their ownership is and I'll go, that's, that's, that's where it ends. 
And then I put that into a lineup HQ. And I go, don't, don't give me any lineups that are more, more owned than this lineup. And then I rerun it again. There you go. There's, there's the answer. It's not, not that scientific of a method, but it works as a blunt tool. Uh, all the Toronto Atlanta hitters are literally a price like they're at Coors. Yeah, because because uh, that stadium in, in in Florida is 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 Coors South, right? From a ballpark factor, that that stadium is just under Coors. So when you see at Toronto, they're not playing in Toronto. They're playing in wherever. Dunedin, Dunedin. I don't know how to pronounce that. Dunedin. Dunedin, Dunedin, whatever. So yeah, I think the Braves may be, may, I mean, and that's going to be factored into the projections as well. So if we go to Atlanta, Toronto, right? Yeah, look at look at all these two, two points per dollar, right? George Springer, Guriel, Swanson's only 3,700, 3, Acuna's 5,600, right? Are we getting ownership in? It seems like it's like, we're getting some of it. Like we're, just, we're getting some ownership. Apparently, Atlanta's going to be owned, and the Blue Jays, no one's going to have zero. They're working on it, I guess. It's getting updated as we speak. Team by team, I guess. But you see, it's already factored in. All the, all the, it's a, oh, well, it's, it's Acuna's projected for 12, and then he's also at a good ballpark. No, it's already, it's already in there. Are we projecting Acuna to, to be 38% owned? Let me, let me reload this. As of now, we don't have, we don't have the lineups. No, no, they're, I don't know. Play all the guys with the 0% ownership because apparently some of them do and some of them don't. Rob W., even though the format is different, is there a way to use Slate IQ to better estimate the outcomes on FanDuel? Yes, you can't do that because FanDuel has different salaries and only one pitcher. It's a complete, it's a different site. So no, you can't, you can't use Slate IQ when it's using DraftKings pricing. DraftKings scoring and DraftKings. No, you can't. You can't. You can't do that. QQ on Slate IQ. Yesterday I ran Slate IQ at 5 p.m. Uh, well, you looked at it. You don't have to run it. And again later, and the leverage team stacks changed significantly by 6:55 p.m. Well, the last, the last update, which is typically like 45 minutes before lock. Do you know what goes on behind the scenes that impacts that? It what impacts that is obviously the starting lineup. Right. The reason why looking at Slate IQ at like three when it like kind of first comes out is we only really have half the lineups in. So let's say Kevin Kiermeyer, who's 2K leading off, we project to be 22% owned. And then he's not in the lineup when the, the, the Tampa lineup comes out after three o'clock. Well, that dramatically affects your lineup construction. I mean, like, like you have a 22% owned 2K guy that's gone. So now it's going to be night. Now everything's going to be different, which also decrease increases the stack size salary of the Tampa stack, which, in, which then changes ownership across everything else. Right? So when ownership updates, everything has to update. When the starting lineups come out, we have projections, we have the ownership, then you could, then, then stuff like that could happen. Right? So that's not, there's nothing behind it's, it's not, there's nothing behind the scenes that's changing. It's, it's recalculating it with the new information. And yes, new information can change things that dramatically. 
You change, you turn, you turn Bauer from 62% projected owned to 82% projected owned. Well, that'll change everything. Now, now cheaper stacks, like we see uh, on today's slate. If we were to project, I'm not saying it would be accurate, but if we were to project uh, Cole to be on a on a fourteen game slate, forty percent owned, and Bieber to also be forty percent owned, and Darvish to also be twenty percent owned, well, that means the ownership on the cheap stacks and the cheap players are going to have to go up because that's how how do you make those lineups? If these expensive pitchers are going to be that owned, which also means that like five k, six k type stacks, they're going to they're not going to be as owned. But let's say we change that. Let's say, okay, we're going to bump Bieber from 40 and Bieber and Cole from 40 to 30 and Darvish to 10 and then bump up Heaney from 20 to 40. Well, now that changes everything. Now there's way more Cole Heaney lineups and Bieber Heaney and Darvish Heaney lineups, which means mid-price stacks are more likely to be owned. Cheaper stacks, their ownership goes down, right? You see, you see how the knock-on of, 10%, 5% here, starting lineup, this guy's in, that guy's out. Could have a dramatic effect. On what lineups, what lineups will consist in a large field GPP? Hence why you should really only look at Slate IQ once all the starting lineups are out. Or at least mo- at least the last update. Typically 45 minutes before lock. Typically they update it like two or three times. Like initially like three, and then at like maybe 4 35 o'clock, and then like six, six fifteen. Because we don't have all the lineups. You have to get all the lineups in. And if nothing's changed, and if the projected lineups look like I mean, if we go to the starting lineups page on Roto Grinders, I mean if these lineups look the same, like the difference of like, oh no, it's not Ch- Chance Cisco, it's Pedro Severino, and one guy is batting like Valika's batting eighth. Like it's not gonna that's that type of stuff's not gonna change much. Right. Oh no, Lewis Torrens is batting ninth and JP Crawford's batting eighth. Like those little change, like that's not going to affect it that much. But if like Tatis is out of this lineup, yeah, that'll affect it. Right. We take a look at like the Atlanta, like if Acuna doesn't play today for whatever reason, like that'll affect it dramatically. A 38% owned guy at 5,600 is no longer that boom gone. Well, that affects like literally everything. Doug Montgomery. I took down the $10 three to 100 last night. Okay. Congratulations. And finished third in the $25 single entry in FanDuel. 431 stack Cubs in Arizona. I do owe you a debt of gratitude. Well, you're the one that did it. I didn't make the lineup for you. I just, I just help you with the process. Could you have, you could have made the Cubs Arizona stack. You could have made a Boston stack and lost. You could have. It could have been the same thing strategically. Right, but uh, I guess I guess you're welcome. Do I get a tip? I don't know. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit it. Hit it. Don't hit it multiple times. It actually turns off. Right. You want to only want to hit it once. And yes, Michael Dampier. Uh, yesterday, because the on the DK, the DK slate literally had like like they had the Chicago Detroit players in the pool, even though it didn't count. So yes, the earlier Slate IQ run, the first one, still had those guys in, even with no ownership. So obviously they take up 
a portion of what it could be. So obviously it's going to be off. Yes. Let's go through the YouTube chat. Lately, I've uh, Michael Lindenfeld. Lately, I've been taking bad X projections and upload them to a simulator. Thoughts on Sim Software versus Optimizers? They're, just, they're two different things. Optimizers are Optimizers are just calculates. It's just it's just a knapsack problem. If you're going to do simulations, you better know what you're doing. That that's that's the that, that's the best way of putting it. You could do Sims. There's no reason. There's no problem doing Sims. I could do Sims also. Slight IQ is a sim in and of itself. But all I, can, all I can tell you is that if you don't know what you're doing, the sim's not going to matter that much. The results you're going to look at and you go, oh, okay, I guess this is it. And it could be completely wrong. So you have to get yeah, a little experience on knowing what to do. Sean Johnston, with offenses looking so pathetic so far this year, you're more inclined to do three and four mans instead of five. Just not scoring this year yet. No. The stack size is dependent on slate size, not on the totals. So don't, I don't care. Four, tw- you have 28 teams today that could that have a chance of putting up enough runs to pay off a five-man stack. And all of them will be owned to some extent. Which means whichever team puts up eight to 10 runs or something or more, that wins. You have 28 teams that could do it today versus yesterday. There's only eight teams that could possibly do it. So the likelihood of one of them is lower because there's only eight of them, not 28 of them. I explain this all the time. Stack size really depends on slate size. Playing a four, that's why I played four mans yesterday, not five mans. Five mans on that size slate are slight, are slightly negative leverage. You can still do it. They they still win. They tend to be a little overowned in large field GPPs. Four man show show slight positive negative uh, leverage. So that's it. But on the large slates, five minutes like like tonight's slate, I I'm not playing anything other than five minutes on on DraftKings. Ah. Uh. Michael, the, the, uh, what you're paying for is not sim software. That's not how you simulate. So no. So I don't know. I don't know what you're what you're doing. All you're doing is loading. All you're doing is loading up projections into an optimizer. I, I know. I know exactly what sim. What you're talking about, Michael. That is not sim software. You'd be sim. You'd be doing simulations in like Excel or Python, or you'd be doing something like that, which you could find on GitHub. I mean, you could find stuff on GitHub to do that stuff. Okay. Anything else in the YouTube chat? Remember, it's Casual Friday. Casual Friday. Uh, remember, this show is also a podcast. So if you guys are watching and you don't watch every day. Or, or you're not here live or whatever you did for some reason, and you don't want to watch my face, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any place you get your podcast. Just search for Roto Grinders DFS pregame show. And, uh, and if you can, rate and review it there. We got we got Devin today in the chat. We got Devin. We got, ooh, 
we got we got super producer uh producer can you tell the difference between if i didn't mention you would think it's eli right so i don't know how hard is it to do, to produce my show it's me it's a it's a me and a floating head and a, and a screen and that's that's about it right i'm not getting any questions from a chat or anything it's not like nba oh, who's still playing nba Alton Burns, let's see if I could understand this question. I leave money on the table, okay. But I don't want to leave money and there being a, if there's a significantly better pitcher. If I fix this manually, I reduce my exposure to the lower owned pitcher. What's the method to fix? What's there to fix? What do you want? <laughs> there you go. How do you, I mean, how do you fix that? Do you want to use all of your salary? Well, if you want to use all your salary in those lineups, then the, the better pitcher, higher price pitcher fits in those lineups. That means you'll have less of the lower price pitcher. If you want to leave money on the table and play the lower price pitcher, then you could do that too. There's no fixing to it. That's just math. I'm going to play a lot of cheap stacks and I don't want to have 80% Shane Bieber today or Cole. Well, but then lower their exposure and move the lower price pitchers up. Just understand you're going to be leaving 1500 on the table in those lineups. That's fine. That's math. There's nothing to fix. Sean Johnson says around six last night, looked like the Dodgers were going to be low owned. Well, no one's going to be that low owned on a, on a four game slate. Do you think people see that and pivot to them? If so, how do you play the ownership game? You could, you could, that, some of that happens. People go, oh, this team's going to be lo much lower owned, and then so many people play them, but it's not as it's not as much as you think. The Dodgers were higher owned than I thought. I thought the Diamondbacks would get more ownership because they had the highest team total on the slate. I mean, I they did, and they were fairly cheap. I mean, you could play Van Meter. I mean, they would they had cheap pieces in their lineup to make stacks. They actually did not come in as high owned, but that that's that was the discrepancy. The ownership that that uh, the Dodgers got came out of the Diamondbacks. And the Diamondbacks were still owned. I mean, look, we still have Ben Meter at seventeen, Smith at eighteen, Escobar at eighteen, but the Dodgers sucked in that ownership. I thought the, I thought the Diamondbacks would be over owned. I thought the I thought some of the other Atlanta pieces would be a little bit more owned. Like Swanson and Albies. That that's the knock-on effect. Well, if this is off by this much, well, then other things are going to have ownership. The Red Sox were lower on than I thought. I played the Red Sox thinking like Bogarts would be like 10% owned, not 7% or something. They came much they came lower on than I thought. I thought JD Martinez would be 14% and not 11% or whatever. But it sounds like not that much difference. But on a four-game slate, you take off 3% ownership on all these guys. It has to go somewhere. So where does it go? Well, it went to the Dodgers. Went more to the Cubs. I'm never going to be dramatically off. It's not like, oh, my God, the Mookie Betts was 22% owned. I thought it was going to be 8% owned. Like, no, I didn't think it would be that, that low owned. I thought the Dodgers would be in the 15s, like that range not in the low 20s, the high teens in the low 20s. I thought Will Smith would be somewhat popular because catcher sucks. But other than that, 
I thought Contreras would be more. I thought I thought Contreras would actually be closer on to Will Smith than Will Smith to be twenty nine percent owned. So once you're off by threes and five percentages, it has to go somewhere, especially on a on a four game slate. On a fourteen game slate, the three percent difference could now be smattered amongst like so many other teams that you may not even notice. A GR starts eight to twelve. I have no idea what your question means. Playing cash games and GPPs are completely different. J ten. When looking at results, DB, do you typically see salary left on the table on smaller slates? Yeah, why not? We could take a look. Take a look on the the large field GPP. Okay, brick one hundred salary remaining. Look, fifteen hundred salary remaining. Second place. Left fifteen hundred on the table. 900 on the table. Brick left 800 on the table in this lineup. Royal Payne, 2,100 salary remaining. 1,500 salary remaining. 100, 400, 2,200. Right? Look at this line, 2,200. Right? Played Josh Van Meter because it breaks up the stack, right? One, two, it's a five, three. How else do you play this lineup? You have to leave 2,200 to play this lineup. 300, 100, 800, 200, 200, 900, 0, 400. Right, if you're, if you're using all, especially on a four-game slate, I set my salary the minimum to 48.5 on DraftKings, right? I also was playing a lot of expensive stacks, so I knew I probably wasn't leaving that much on the table anyway. But yeah, there's, there's no reason. It's baseball. It's not basketball where price, there's some production, there's some floor. Minutes matter. Dude, a 2K hitter could put up 30 points in baseball. And a 6K hitter could put up zero. In the span of four or five at bat. So leaving money on the table is perfectly fine. I'm less inclined to leave money on the table when it comes to pitching because it tends to, it's less varied. Like I like it's it's I w- I probably would not have left twenty one hundred on the table and not played Bauer if you could have played Bauer, like that type of thing. Like Martin Perez was fifty seven hundred. What are you going to pay up for who? who? Where are you putting this money towards? You're already playing. You're already playing a five man Cub stack and a three man Diamondback stack. So what what are you doing? My, there you go. You're done. Right. Play Brian. You did play, basically you played Brian Baez, Duffy in the first base spot. So you could have played Rizzo there instead. Yeah, but you played Duffy there. So you played Duffy, Bryant, and and you're able to get Peralta in because now all you only have two outfield spots with the two Cubs. That's why you leave twenty one hundred on the table. There's no reason you, you can. Correlation matters more than using up all your salary. Well, instead of playing Josh Rojas, I'm going to play the no. You're going to play the. You're going to play the. If this is a five-three lineup, so you play a five-three lineup. If it leaves money on the table, then so be it. Look, the second-place lineup left fifteen hundred on the table. Fifteen thousand dollars. That's something to exploit. People that don't use optimizers well, they'll go. They'll go in and then go. Okay, I'm going to go to my build rules and I'm going to. 
I'm going to make sure to spend almost, almost, they're going to be, they're going to be sneaky. They're going to be like, well, not the whole 50,000, but I could leave 200 on the table, right? I could leave 200 on the table. And then they build lineups and they don't realize that there are very many good lineups, stacking lineups that are 49.6 or 49.1, right? Or something like that. But nope, you're telling, you're telling the optimizer, nope, use it all. Use it all. I don't care. And then you try to build lineups. And you're wondering, well, why aren't why am I getting so much of this guy? I'm getting so much of this expensive guy. I don't want 37% Mike Trout. It's like, well, it's trying to spend all your it's trying to spend all your salary. You're telling it that. So you want to play a $5,200 guy instead of Mike Trout at 6000 Well, it can't. With the stack, with the five-man stack and these two pitchers, it can't. You, you've now limited it, it, its ability to make that lineup. And it, it's the lineup they actually project higher, right? You could go in, you could see lineups that are that are leave a thousand on the table that project better than lineups that use all fifty thousand. You can see that. I mean, I could run this right now. Let's see, put it down to forty-eight. Let's put this up to, to 20. Just to build 20 lineups. And let, let's put let's put let's put a stack. Let's put a we're gonna be playing stacks. So let's put a 5x at 100. So just 20 lineups, just whatever. Right? So we get okay, blue. We're gonna get a ton of blue jays. So this 49, the highest projected lineup doing that. Remember, I didn't change anything. Is 49.5. If you would have set your minimum salary to 49.8, you wouldn't have even gotten this lineup. Five man, that goal, Cole Heaney, five man, Blue Jays, Tyrone Taylor, Swanson, Birdie. Now, do you play that lineup? I don't know. 49.5. Here's a 5,000 lineup 50,000, 49.9, 49.8, 50,000, 49.7, 49.7. You wouldn't have gotten that with 49.8 as your cap. Right? Yeah, most of them are going to be close. Most of them are going to spend most of the amount. 49.3. Here's look, the 15th best projected lineup. Vameter, Birdie, Brinson. Lewis Brinson. So here you go. You would, but you can't get these lineups if you, if, oh, I can't leave 700 on the table when you can't. Well, this lineup is the 15th highest meeting projected lineup. And you're telling it I don't want it. So how many lineups are you missing? By setting a maximum minimum salary too high. Because you're, oh, I don't want to leave money on the table. You don't get to take it with you. Leave it on the table. Who cares? No one's going to come and take it. Does it mean you leave 5,000 on the table? Probably not. But I made plenty of lineups. Sometimes I'm leaving 2,000, 2,500 on the table. Smaller slates? Well, of course. How else am I going to make those combinations, you know, especially cheap stacks? Not expensive pitcher? You can't make those. You just can't make them. Joe Mac 5 a casually speaking, do you have a definition for a vomit stack? My What, in general, I consider a vomit stack to be five players, a five-player stack of top of the order hitters 
doesn't have to be one, two, three, four, five, but at least it's, you're not using the ninth hitter, you know, you're not using the $2,200 ninth hitter type of thing. Uh, and it's a five band stack that's under 20 K total. So it's a four K uh, average salary. Now on DraftKings, I mean, they've been pricing down. So you, you, a lot of stuff qualifies a vomit stack, but that's typically that's, that's my threshold. If it's 20,100, is it not a vomit stack? It doesn't, it would, these are terms that I'm making up. But yes, if you, if you like, I could take a look at just like the starting lineups page and go like, like the Tigers are a vomit stack. Do you, do, I mean, do you stack against Cole? Probably not. Just look, one, uh, all these, anytime you can find top five top of the order hitters that are under four, all of them are under 4K, they have to be under 20K total. Right? But like, I take a look at the, the Nationals. Not really. You could kind of call close to make it if Hat Hernandez is in batting second. The Marlins, if you use Brinson, but if you don't use Brinson, actually the Marlins aren't that much of a vomit stack today. Right? Because I'm not talking about using the Sierra. Yes, if you stack Leon Sierra and then, yes, then you could make it under 20K. But you could do that with a lot of teams. But if you're going to play like Rojas, Aguiar, Birdie, Duval, Diaz or something like that, at the middle infield spot it's it's you're getting around there it's it's about 20k a little over 20k so it's not as much of a vomit stack as you think today but that's that's for like the blue jays aren't a vomit stack the braves aren't the cubs if horner leads off still probably not yes you could make the cubs vomit stack of horner hayward marisnik you know rizzo yeah then then it would be under 20k but then you're also stacking the bottom of the order which doesn't mean you can't do that. You can, but that when I say vomit stack, I'm talking to typically about, you know, maybe the top five of the top six or something, or four out of the top five and and a catcher. And if they catch it, I don't care. I don't care where they bat. Just you know, you're just filling something in. There's no there's no scientific threshold for this. It's just something I've turned. Doug Montgomery, do you ever look at fan graphs? No, I don't look at any stats. I say this, I say this every day. I look at zero baseball stats. Zero. Doesn't mean I don't use them. I just don't look at them. Remember, as I always say, do you trust the model? Well, the model, if you take a look at these numbers, it already has all that information in there. Right? And it's coming up with a range of outcomes. Shane Bieber's 13.71 to 37.83 at whatever ownership he ends up coming in. Median is 25.2. That includes all of those variables that you look at. It's all taken care of for me. All the work is done. Frederick Duke, how many starting pitchers do you think you may have in your player pool tonight? I have no idea. Do I look at ceilings and compare them with projected ownership when determining... Lineups, not players, folks. Remember, lineups, not players. I just run lineups. How much of one pitcher versus the other pitcher? We'll see. I don't know. Is Heaney going to be overowned? I don't know. Is Cole going to be overowned? Is Bieber going to be overowned? Is it going to be some underowned pitcher? Are people not going to play? Are people going to play Madison Bumgarner after a seven seven inning no hitter? Maybe Pablo Lopez goes under owned. Who knows? 
Who knows what fits in the lineups that I'm playing? I don't know. I'm probably not playing pitchers that project really low. I'm probably not playing Jake Arrieta today. Whatever fits. I'm not selecting individual players. I'm building full lineups. I'm selecting teams. I'm stacking this team. I'm stacking that team. I'm stacking, you know, I'm playing 100 lineups. Stacking these nine teams. Five man. Give them to me. How do I make these? How do I make these lineups? How do they project well and have low enough ownership? Done. If it ends up being that I'm playing Pablo Lopez, then that's so be it. According to the projections, that's what I should be doing. <laughs> Brady Singer ends up in one lineup, then he ends up in one lineup. Oh, oh, okay. That's what the math, that's what it goes together. High enough projection, low enough ownership. Okay, done. For the whole lineup, not for the player. Constantly have to reiterate these concepts. Jordan, is there a reason you even set your minimum at all in baseball? It seems extraneous. Yeah, there's the, typically I don't. You can. I mean, I set it low enough that it, I don't think it matters. Set it to 48,000. Okay. On a four-game slate, like, then the minimum really goes out the window. I don't know. Sometimes I'd rather I'd I'd rather have Acuna in the lineup than than some thirty six hundred dollar player. So maybe maybe don't want to have the minimum because I'm also changing so much other stuff with exposures. That maybe having uh, some type of floor. Same thing for ownership. Like total ownership. Like sometimes you could run lineups and have the total ownership be like twenty two. Be like, do I want to be that contrarian? Are there any other lineups that project in the same range that, like, like, do I need that to be one of my lineups? Because I have the choice of thousands of them. Because what ends up happening is you get clumping. You get some lineups that are too chalky and some lineups that are way too, way too not owned. And it's like, well, I don't mind them individually, but I don't want to be playing, like, if I'm playing 100 lineups, I don't want 50 lineups that are, like, jamming chalk together and then 50 lineups that are just jamming none of the chalk together. It's like nothing. So in total, your whole portfolio of lineups looks like it's fine. But if you go down individually, you see that like, oh, chalk stack with chalk picture and like a chalk one-off. But like none of that is in this lineup with some 1% owned stack. It's like, do I want How many combinations of that do I want? Right? Because what ends up happening is that your 1% stack goes off and a piece of the chalk goes off and you have 100 lineups and none of them are together. Well, how did that happen? How do I have 20% of this and 20% of that? And there's no overlap, right? That's the type of stuff I'm looking for. Let's see. Any more questions before we get out of here for the day? Sean Johnson, if a pitcher is projected poorly, would you still consider playing him if the offense he's going against is chalky? Last night with Senzatella. You only had you only had really seven pitchers to choose from yesterday. You could have played anyone you wanted. On a 14-game slate, no. What's the point? You're not going to gain that much leverage by playing. And I, oh, the light came on. Great. The light's telling me that it's it's over, right? It's just like a just like in a comedy club. Occasionally my lights do that. They just like automatically go to 100 percent brightness. So I, maybe the sun came out. But no, on, a, on yeah, I played every pitcher yesterday other than Bryce Wilson. 
Because you only have, I mean, there's only seven pitchers to choose from. But on a, on a 14 game slate, great. So the highest owned stack is 12% owned. How much leverage are you really getting by playing the 0.2% owned pitcher against them? Just find somewhere else to go. You have too many more options. But on a short slate, play, you can play anyone. Cairo, Che Jordan, I've got 180% ROI in ticket satellites this season. Some tickets are for sports. I'm not plus EV in. Does it make sense to keep going for those tickets, even if they're minus EV? Well, if you want to keep on playing the contest. I only I only play satellites in th- for, for things that I'm going to play, right? I see in the lobby NASCAR satellites. I don't play NASCAR. NHL satellites, I don't play NHL. The only time I ever play satellites is when they overlay anyway. But if it's like if it's an overlay for a NASCAR ticket, I still ain't gonna do it. It's not a contest I would normally play. I don't even play the sport. Max Coach One, can you talk more about the wind blowing out of Yankee Stadium again? I have no idea. I'm not there. I don't even care. I do not care about weather. I do not look at the weather at all. Other than for other than for rain out, other than for postponement rain. I don't know. I, I I don't know why I could constantly have to repeat this over and over again. I do not look at any baseball stats. I do not look at the weather. I don't look at the ball, what ballpark it's in. I don't look at what the pitchers pitch. I don't look at pitch counts. I don't look at any of that. I don't look at nothing. Literally nothing. I want to repeat this over and over again. I do not look at any single baseball stats at all. Totals of the games, don't look at. They happen to be in my view in the screen. I don't look. I don't look at pitch counts for pitchers. I don't look at bullpens. I don't. I don't look at wind. I don't look at rain. I don't look at temperature. I don't look at umpires. I don't look at betting lines. I don't look. I. I. I how many things do I have to think? I of things that I do not look at. I do not look at any of it. Don't look at fan graphs. Don't look at baseball savant. Don't look at any. I barely even know the the players. I don't even look at the players. What does Wade Miley look like? I have no idea. What handed are they? I have no idea. Don't care. Nothing. So I don't look at any of that. So you're like, well, can you talk more? Like, as anything, I can't talk because I don't look at it. I have no idea. The only reason I would have an idea is because it happens to be in my, oh, strikeout prop. It's in my view. I mean, you see, in between these two lines, I'm going to tell you what exactly I look at. Exactly. I don't know why I have to repeat this so many times. You see this, this, this box with these two lines where it says projections? These two things? That is it. That is literally, I'm going to say the word literally, not in like the figurative sense, but the, really the word literally means. This is all I look at. Obviously, I need to know the price, right? I need to know the position, right? Because they fit into slots. That's And obviously, I'm stacking teams. So I don't know which team they're on. But that's it. That's it in between these two lines. That's it. Literally the only thing I look at. Because all the other things that you would look at are in this number already. So if I were to look at it, I would just be looking at it twice. I'd be looking at what 2% of this number is something. And it's all properly and relevantly weighted in these numbers. That's what a projection model does. So Cardi's, the bat, 
I can I consider Derek Carr to be the best modeler in the business. So what better projections than his projections? So he waits every, he has so many, var- he's more variables than any other model. So anything that I look at is already in there. And anything I'd look at that isn't relevant, why, why would I be looking at it in the first place? So to me, just, there you go. I have the projections. Now it's time to build plus EV lineups. That's it. I need the ownership. I need the projected ownership. Right? But everything is here. It's already there. Done. That's all you need. So do you look at it now? Why? It's inefficient to look at it. What? It's pointless. Do I look at the batting order? No, I barely look at the batting order. Obviously, players that have higher plate appearance expectation, because they bet higher in the order, have higher projections. Right? Right, we have the Kiermaier, right? We have the, if he's leading off versus batting ninth, it's gonna, it's, his projection's gonna go down because he's gonna be expected to have like one less at bat. So the, the median is gonna go down. So really, truthfully, you don't even have to look at batting order. <laughs> it's already in there also. The plate appearance, you know, the median plate appearance expectation. It's already in there. <laughs> Same for the pitch count, right? It's already in there. Why is this guy projecting so low? Well, he's only projected to pitch 70 pitches. Well, there, there you go. It's already in there. Everything's <laughs> already in there. That's why when I say that people overthink MLB DFS, you really do overthink. De- Dude, everything is in there. This is this isn't 2012 anymore. Hell, it's not even 2016 when I started playing MLB DFS. Like, dude, spend 40 bucks, right? You get Roto-Grinders Premium. You could click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month, and you get projections. You get the Plate IQ projections, which are pretty good. You could upgrade for $2.99. Pay Derek Carter, you get his projections for baseball. There you go, you're done. You're done. You never have to research MLB ever again. Research. It's all done for you. All the work is done for you. Same. That's how I treat every other sport. NFL. We have the blitz. Our NBA projections here at Roto-Grinders are great. How many minutes? Who cares? It's already in there. How about this matchup? It's all, it's all, everything's already in there. Just build your lineups. I care more about the ownership than anything else. That matters more to me, right? I, I spend more time thinking about what other people are going to do than the players, the projection. I'm, what Freddie Peralta is going to do today against the Dodgers, I don't care. I, ha- I already have his projection in here. I have to consider, is, is he going to be 2% owned or 10% owned? I don't know. That's what, that's what matters to me. But all the stuff when it comes to baseball, it's done for you. It's already done for you. Right. It's not 2012 anymore. Then once you have the numbers, then you're going to utilize game theory concepts, which is basically you're playing a competitive game against other people. So you determining what they're going to do, what the field is going to do, what they're overconfident in. They're going to do more than they should. How do I exploit that? They're going to do less than they should. How do I exploit that? Those are fundamentals of game theory, which I teach in my 15-hour audio masterclass. 
the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's 15 hours of me in your pocket. Structured education. It's not just rambling. Like this show, I just answer questions and do whatever. You get bits and pieces, but you have, if you want it all in one place, me and James McCool, how to think like a professional DFS player. 15-hour audio masterclass. Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploit, psychology. If all of this is all of this, all this fancy stuff. How the pros play DFS. This is how they play. Right? They spend most of their time perfecting their models. And from there, just what's the most profitable lineups I can make? Day in and day out. That's it. Not watching the games. I don't watch, I don't watch games. There you go. It's math. That's all you need. Doug Montgomery asks, how long or how often does the bat update? Every five minutes. Like literally every five minutes. It's on a loop. Whenever new information comes in. Because you'll see it towards lock every five minutes. New umpire data comes in, right? Because sometimes you don't know what the umpires are. New weather data comes in. Cardi has all of that. So it runs on a loop. Are things going to dramatically change? No, typically not that much. But as new starting lineups come in, right? Because, oh, it's 623, and now we get the Dodgers lineup. So you're going to wait until the, the next update for the bat, and it runs on a loop. And Cardi's always in the, the bat, wrote a, uh, the Discord, answering questions or whatever, or if there's a problem. Sometimes there's a merge issue or something, some player is missing or something. But yeah, it, update, it updates all the time. Okay, that was good for casual Friday. Casual, casually still still have the sun in my eyes. Oh my God. I don't know why it does that, but they're probably cheap lights. They're not that cheap. For a $100 light set, I probably shouldn't just go to 100% all the time, every once in a while. Maybe there's a ghost in here. I don't know. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Thanks for keeping my apple juice cold uh, this morning. It's got a 14 game slate coming up tonight. We got Grinders Live. On the YouTube channel, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. It'll be probably Dean something or Brit and someone. Grant will be around. I don't know. I don't know. I, I never look at the schedule. But there'll be a bunch of guys. They'll be doing NBA, MLB, premium guys. You get crunch time before the slate locks. And uh, and I'll be back. I'll be back on Monday. Monday, because we got, we got McCool coming back. James McCool every Monday here. Because I'm here. I'm here every Every weekday, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. in the Eastern for the DFS pregame show here on rotogrinders.com.